Welcome to Fandom Media. Right, yes, and okay. It's Fandom Media Podcast Episode 4. It's always sunny season 12, episode 3, if that all makes sense to you. All right, here we go. The name of the episode is Old Lady House, a situational comedy. Fun fact, a situational comedy is a sitcom. Did you learn that from uh, Janet? I did. Either that or maybe purred happily. (laughs) (laughs) Meta Elements. So last week we were talking about how short the episode was. This episode brings it back to a normal length, although still way too short, only 21 minutes. And the writers were two new writers to the Always Sunny team, Dana Furman and Danielle Schneider. If those names are familiar to you, you might have seen the Hot Wives series. That's a series of TV shows that's on Hulu that are obviously making fun of all those real housewife shows. So both of these actresses and writers, because they created as well, have a lot of experience in making fun of different genres of television. This episode's director, Maurice Marable, is another new face to the show, or a behind-the-scenes face to the show. First time directing. They have done an episode of Veep, the HBO show. A couple of featured actors this episode, characters we've seen in the past, but probably more in this episode than maybe all together in the past. We had Miss Kelly, Charlie's mom, was played by Lynn Marie Stewart, and Miss Mac. Mac's mom is played by Sandy Martin. She, by the way, was Napoleon Dynamite's mom or grandma? Grandma. Grandma on Napoleon Dynamite, who was, she was a much more lively character in that movie. That's one of my favorite movies, by the way. There's Jack Kelly, uh, a.k.a. Uncle Jack, played by Andrew Friedman, who added to his villainous resume by apparently accidentally leaving a hard drive under the floorboards, which was one of my favorite lines of the episode. filled with art. Filled with art, yes. (laughs) Success. (laughs) A really interesting thing about this episode is that there's actually an original Lady House. It was called Lady House, not old Lady House. I guess they weren't quite as old. It was back in season eight. It was one of the extras for the season eight DVD, but you could probably find it on YouTube or something. I love Always Sunny, so I have the collection. I can't tell you if you could find it, but hopefully you can. It's like six minutes long, and honestly, the first time I saw it, I didn't like it. thought it was not great, but I rewatched it after seeing this episode and it was hilarious to me now. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The second time was a lot better because of this. It definitely improved it. <laughs> I hadn't seen it before. Watched it after watching this episode and also thought it was funny, so I don't know how different I would have thought seeing it beforehand. I do have a better sense of humor than you guys, so I probably would have <laughs> thought it was better. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> When you have a show with so much history like this one, so many seasons, obviously this is season 12, you get to refer to your own humor, you get to, we usually call them callbacks, but in this case, not exactly a callback because this is extended material. It's arguably new or something they filled out older material that they fleshed into a full episode. So I guess we wouldn't call that a callback necessarily, but it's, it's, it's the cousin of that. It's a catchphrase. A quick shout out to announcer Jason for the voices from beyond and Thomas Numperson for the intro music as well as the It's Always Sunny subreddit which we browsed to get a few extra ideas and can look for references that we missed. Narrative. This was my favorite episode of the season so far, probably because I just love it when they do these really high concept episodes, but I also really love it when they poke fun at genre conventions and TV in general. I think they do a really good job at making fun of it, but also recognizing why it's successful. And my favorite episode is The Gang Tries Desperately to Win an Award. So obviously I really liked this episode. I still don't think it was quite as good as that episode. And when I'm trying to craft a top 10, I might 
have trouble fitting both of those episodes into them because they're very similar, but I think this episode is a top 10 contender for me. I really liked it a lot. I think it was it's neat how they went after mainstream TV or mainstream sitcoms a bit, but they also went after themselves. I agree. I like this episode a lot too. It reminded me a little bit of the movie Adaptation, where it's kind of recognizing these standard things that do work, but demonstrating that they can operate outside those standards. There's other ways to be successful. And since there's so many people being successful in these standard ways, it's nice to see someone doing something more innovative or interesting. And they kind of prove we can do both. You know, they I think they have a lot of outside the box takes on things and they push the limits of what's socially taboo or whatever. There's some, I'm going to say, it's so odd for me to feel weird saying this about It's Always Sunny because it's so vulgar and crass sometimes, but it's also kind of highbrow. They're making a lot of social commentary. They do a lot of interesting, unique things, but they also have fart jokes. You know, and I think that they could just be funny in a bunch of different ways. And I think that part of what this episode is doing is pointing out how a lot of shows that get acclaim and success, they're only really being funny in one way. And It's Always Sunny is saying, look, we can be funny in that one way. And we can also point out how it's not really funny to be funny that way sometimes. And we can be funny in these other ways. It's I, I like this episode a lot. I think they got all sorts of irony and demonstrated that they understand how comedy works and how TV works and how they can play it any way they want. And that they really should get an award war dog on it. Enjoyment of this episode may very well depend on how many laugh track shows you're exposed to in your life. If you didn't grow up with those kind of shows or if you didn't watch a lot of those kind of shows, there's not like they're not around anymore. They still are, and they've been around for a long time. I perceive this episode as more of a spoof of 80s shows, but really, given what they talk about during the episode with references to the Honeymooners and the Three Stooges and Tom and Jerry and Abbott and Costello, it's really more about 50s and 60s references. It's really the really old school TV, and laugh tracks predate TV. It's a radio thing. I'll talk about a little bit more, but yeah, it is sort of an interesting history to laugh tracks, and it was totally dominant through the 50s and 60s. Pretty much every comedy in the 50s, every TV sitcom had a laugh track. And I wonder how much some of that will come through to the average viewer of this show, but I tell you, everyone who's involved in filmmaking, every TV producer and actor watching this, they get every joke that's being made. They've been through all this, you know what I mean? Hopefully, some of them will be like, yeah, we should give them an award. Danny DeVito has a lot of experience with these types of shows, and I think that experience showed when he was on the screen. He knew just when to pause, just right, and when to look at the camera, just right. Yeah, I watched Taxi as a kid, so and Danny DeVito was one of the main characters in that show. This character wasn't really like his Taxi character, but it still reminded me that he was a big sitcom actor in the 80s, as well as other times, and that just was hilarious as a dual element at the same time. This was one of the many things they were making fun of, and having a character in the show enter the show in the show. <laughs> of a style that's from the past that he was living, you know, in the past in reality. Oh, now well, I'm all confused. I'm confused. <laughs> For the past three episodes now, D has gotten st- duck. First in someone else's body, then in a water slide, and now between the rails of a staircase. Maybe is that going to be her catchphrase? <laughs> Being stuck? How many times is she going to get stuck? I think She's Dee's really catchphrase... You know what I think? Yeah. <laughs> Dee's catchphrase is, God damn it! I think that's Dee's catchphrase. I think it is. <laughs> For the most part, these characters don't really have catchphrases, but they do... There are a lot of callbacks in the show. Not And some of these, it's kind of blur the line. They even joked about it in a show we talked about it a minute ago. Sometimes it's a callback. Sometimes it's just a consistency of the characters like they have enough material that they can like recur a joke but they can also maintain a character development that they've established in the past and it's especially when it's a funny thing in the first place it's extra funny to see it happen again and I extra appreciate that they maintain it in fact one thing that happened was old black man he still live with them that 
bet they made last season is still ongoing, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, this played into another running joke with Dee, which is that she's not funny because this whole stuck in the staircase thing was funny to none of them, but you know, funny to us. Now, this itself is a meta joke about the standard sitcom trope of having not funny women, something that they've played on many times, such as in the gang solves the gas crisis when they talk about the perfect crew and D is the useless chick. And then again, and when the gang tries desperately to win an award where they talk about how she's funny, that's a bonus. And of course, in that episode, D has horrible timing. We probably would all agree that she's the actually the best actor out of the four of them, or out of the five of them. And so she's the one that can pull this part off. Like, this is actually the really the hardest thing to do, probably, comedically, is to be the funny unfunny. You know, that's kind of is proven there by the fact that she gets the laughs without the laugh track consistently yeah. in this episode. <laughs> and they even, in the midst of proving to us that the laugh track works, Dee doesn't get the laugh track and gets lots of laughs. I think they both demonstrate that the laugh track works and that they don't need it. I think they do both at, this, you know, at the same time. I think it's a, yeah. a neat thing that they're doing. Another episode that I really enjoy a lot is the gang group dates because it splits them all up in a really interesting way. This episode had a really interesting callback to that, defining characters by one feature of them, which in the gang group dates, of course, Dee is the bird lady, Frank is the troll man, Charlie <laughs> is the dirty one, <laughs> Mac is the gay one, and Dennis doesn't get a designation, but he's obviously the five-star man. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. Just and like so- we're obviously a five-star podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and in this episode, Mrs. Mac and Mrs. Kelly get names of their own, the grunty one and the shrill one. <laughs> <laughs> Another theme that worked on multiple levels at once was the callback to Charlie's mother and doing three things repeatedly as a superstition to keep Charlie alive. In the midst of an episode that was playing off of the humor that can be found amidst repetition. Many scenes were done multiple times with the laugh track on or off and then with Frank repeating the joke about, I like how it tells me when to laugh, you know, which Mac had just pointed out a minute ago. And which they had, of course, pointed out and the gang tries desperately to win an award. (laughs) That's right. So... Really amazing self-reference while commenting on TV tropes. Another thing about that Charlie's mother having to repeat things is that she has OCD. She has, you know, a condition right there. And we're laughing at it. It's so funny to us right there. So it's another example of something being very dark that is very funny. It's even a thing I've kind of recognized in comedy. It seems to be almost a challenge for comedians to get us to laugh at things that shouldn't be funny. There's a bit where Louis C.K. just has me dying, laughing in tears over a dead baby. Like, how did he make me laugh at a dead baby? (laughs) It's always Sonny made us laugh at a dead baby, too. Louis stole it from them. Some other things in this episode that we're familiar with from past episodes with these characters, not just one episode, but it's just part of their character that we get to see on display here. Like Jack and his hands thing. And his pedophile thing. I did like that moment. It was such a quick, subtle moment that again, it demonstrates to me how well developed these characters are. That as soon as Jack saw, you know, someone that didn't live there came in the house, he immediately put his hands behind his back. He's <laughs> so embarrassed about his small hands. And it's, I don't even know if you hadn't seen that character <laughs> in the past or if you aren't particularly paying attention, you might not catch that. But he's staying true to his character. They write it really well. It would be a very odd comment if you'd never noticed. Like, put your hands on. What is he talking <laughs> yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> of course, there's also the long-running Max denial of his parents' apathy for him. And his denial of everything, really. Yes. Right. Yeah, his denial of everything, really. You're right. His just denial. <laughs> this time applied to his parents. Of course, we had Charlie's literacy, which is featured in so many episodes. I love that he had his mom's note to him, that she communicates with him, how he likes to be communicated with, and the return of her fear of dogs. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is one of those rare times where they didn't even necessarily realize it, but Charlie's literacy kind of screwed them again. Yeah, they went through this whole deal. She wasn't actually worried about anything. Except it wasn't really a literacy because that was not really, um, you know, like... Yeah, I don't know if that's a literacy. Why did they trust his interpretation you know of that what? in the first place? What does illiteracy mean anyway? <laughs> They're the ones that can't read. Charlie knew what they know meant. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Dennis filming people without their knowledge. We've seen that before. I can't, I just, and the line, I just can't enjoy it when the people who are filmed know that they're being filmed. <laughs> Very Dennis-like thing to say. Yeah, as you all remember, he has that camera set up in his room. We also realize at the very, very end that he's actually filming all of them that whole time. Yeah, right? it, it, it asks the question, has he been making the show all along? He would look way better <laughs> if he were making the show. Yeah, it is in the bar, too, so. <laughs> Which is pretty much the only scene we see at the bar at all this whole season so far and everything's been away from the bar that's true the first time it's true Fandomedia.reviews. We also had the appearance of Let's Potato Chips. Uh, I think a lot of you've probably heard of Let's, the best potato chip for all your TV prop needs. It's been in <laughs> Community, Arrested Development, Orange is the New Black, Always Sunny. It was in Always Sunny in the episode where they got high at the planetarium, a Country Mac episode, Mac Day. Wait, is it not a real chip? No, it's a prop chip. So I'm never going to get to try a Let's... I need to get on TV. Go to HollywoodPropFood.com. <laughs> <laughs> Enter referral code Fandom. Media. <laughs> no, no, we're joking. No, we're not. <laughs> then, of course, there's poop is funny, which they didn't say straight up, but they clearly ended with that joke and made it, you know, now it's funny again. That was the <laughs> final joke, really. And, of course, we've seen that exact line from Frank, because poop is funny, back in <laughs> season four, episode seven, the episode, Who Pooped the Bed? So that's a fairly straightforward callback to themselves again. Yeah, also, both Mac and Dee have made fun of each other for pooping their pants. <laughs> Mac pooped his pants. He made a poopy in his pants, if you remember, in season nine, also the Mac Day episode. So that's oh, two callbacks yes. to that same episode. Another tie into the Honeymooners, which was probably the main show reference out of all these, since it's sort of the grandfather of a lot of sitcom shows, was the concept of the Application, which, of course, is from the gang buys a boat and in the bomb shelter. And, of course, Dee later brings it back and the gang goes to hell. Yeah, she uses it. Yeah. So, obviously, the Honeymooners was the biggest reference in the episode, but it seems like this was an homage to, I mean, a lot of sitcoms. They were careful not to be too specific, I think, with what they were making fun of, but um, in addition to the Honeymooners, I was reminded of The Truman Show, which is not a show, but a movie. Just that concept of watching what everyone's doing behind the scenes and playing God like that. Dennis is totally like Kristoff. That makes sense. Yeah, that's a good fit. And even the credit sequence was just so perfectly on point with capturing the time period. The logo in particular made me think of Full House, which maybe because Fuller House came out so recently that it's dated sitcom that's fresh in our minds, but I really think that logo looked a lot like it. Should I pushed really hard for us to do several episodes on Fuller House. No, I want to <laughs> clarify, I've never seen an episode of Fuller House. <laughs> that you know of. You wanted to do episodes of the original Full House. That's what you wanted to cover. Of course. Don't tell me you haven't seen an episode of that. No, I've seen lots of episodes okay, of that. Okay. <laughs> me too. And this episode made me think of that show. <laughs> 
It also made me think, by the way, of Mr. Robot, which had a little genre bending oh, 80s, that's 90s right. thing themselves. Yeah. While we're talking about things that are probably not meant to be references, but couldn't help but make us think of media from the past year, when Charlie gave his stream of thought bit, I couldn't help but think of the show You're the Worst, which we'll be covering, and I hope a lot of you are watching. It's also on FXX, so... Kudos to FXX for coming up with some good shows, for putting out some good shows. And in that most recent season, one of the main characters is just as dumb as Charlie, and she has almost the exact same scene where she says what her thoughts are exactly in that moment. And I think that scene was better, actually. It was a better use of that joke. But they <laughs> both made me laugh so hard. It was one of my favorite moments in the episode. <laughs> a show that Sonny has long been compared to is Seinfeld in, in the way that it weaves multiple plot lines and has a similar sized cast and in the characters being generally awful. So there was a perhaps a brief nod there to that with Charlie throwing the door open and getting immediate laughter, which was, of course... Cheers, raucous cheers. Clearly a Kramer thing, if anything. And of course, if one of the Seinfeld characters was a Sonny character, Charlie would be Kramer, vice versa. That would be the best comparison. I think so, yes. Definitely. So any episode of Always Sunny is chock full of commentary, social commentary, commentary on TV, commentary on everything. Uh, this episode, I think, had a little bit of social commentary. It was mostly commentary on themselves, on TV shows, as we mentioned earlier on. But one of the most glaring lines of the episode was that thing about ageism, about old women saying that a man lives and then dies which made me laugh so hard but it's so true it's painfully true and it takes a, a show that is about old women basically like one of the other references in this show is of course the Golden Girls mm-hmm. which I will admit I watched no I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I think to admit it was a good show it's good yeah <laughs> it's not like Full House many of you watched Fuller House <laughs> shame but of course a man only lives and then dies unless you're an old black man <laughs> in that case you become Scott Bakula <laughs> Blackula. Another interesting little bit of commentary about what defines TV and how quickly something changes based on one small bit of information is whether or not people know they're being filmed or not. It goes from something to reality TV, and that's a whole different experience. Yeah. I thought the episode was really meta just in general because it was RCG, Rob, Charlie, and Glenn making the editing decisions back there. It was the three of them that were making the decisions, and in real life, it's the three of them that do the editing. And as Dennis said, he's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> Audio elements. They made a lot of use of sound in this episode, of course, the laugh track being something we talked about at length already, but of course it's also the use of light music, which is another example of them making fun of themselves while also making fun of sitcoms. So just like Dennis added laughter to show everyone where to laugh, another audio trick they used was adding music to make horrible things seem funny, like the near murder of one mother to the other. The music that I added makes you know that it's light. And of course, this is a wonderful double meaning amongst many double meanings in this episode as they constantly make their own despicable actions seem much lighter with the use of the elevator music from the 50s and 60s that we have incorporated into our show as well because we're also horrible and we lighten that up as well. Yeah, as we talked about last week, that's exactly what that music does. And then the very next week, this episode comes out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what the word geniuses. They, <laughs> they used it in another way too, by the way, when Charlie's mom gets down to pray. Do you remember that scene? It's oh, yeah. kind of serious. And it gives that music. The but they're having like a more, right, it's not a lighthearted music that Dennis puts over the top there. It's a little more serious, like the sentimental moment. But when she, several things she says are kind of funny. She's describing these gruesome ways with great detail about how, how Charlie's going to die or how she doesn't want him to. And I think, I think that would have been funnier except they're forcing 
this serious tone on this moment and it was just another way to show how through editing and sound effects you can manipulate the feelings that an audience gets. Yeah, of course they did that with Uncle Jack as well with the ah sounds and the light rom little romantic music tones when she says hello to him. Creating yeah. the romantic interest between the two. There aren't even romantic interests but you can tool around with that and the editing which again are I think not just hitting on uh, comedies and sitcoms but hitting on reality television how you can manipulate how things seem to be happening or how you want audience to perceive it when it's ostensibly reality you know right it wasn't just making horrible things funny in a bunch of different ways they made in the example of Charlie's mom praying they made something crazy like a little nutty they made it into something that was very profound yeah. and in the case or a little bit maybe a little sad and in, like you said in the case of Uncle Jack a, a creepy guy is all of a sudden a romance you know yeah. uh, or an object of romance so it's amazing they just show you how easy this is to do because they're telling you they're doing it while they're doing it and it still works which is just like wow even when you know it's coming it still gets you it's interesting by the way the the history of laugh tracks like their use in tv some people who defend it one thing they say is it's it's like music you know people who argue against it say you don't need to tell the audience when it's funny if it's really funny they'll know when to laugh well if it's really scary they'll know when it's scary you don't need to put intense music right or is that right music is sound effects are a part of filmmaking originally it started in radio shows it would be a live audience and it would just have people listening to the show would laugh at it but a couple things happened one is they made any sort of mistake and also time zone differences back then and sometimes the audience would like laugh too long they would trip up the pacing so for all these reasons they started to pre-record shows and then they started to manipulate the laughs it now at first it was live audiences but they would still like damper out you know in post-production and editing they would lower the laughs down Someone realized, hey, we could like, when a joke doesn't hit, we could use these laughs that we have from the past to liven it up. And this one guy, Charlie Douglas, was a sound engineer who was doing a lot of this editing. And eventually he just made this device that, that had pre-recorded laughs on it and would just use that. He's just trying to make his life easier. When he was doing sound engineering and editing and stuff like that, he made this device. And eventually everyone realized, holy, this is going to change everything. We're using this on everything all the time. And uh, he actually left whatever production company he's working for, but they still like claim rights to this machine. But eventually it like fell apart. So he built a new one and he got to keep using his own thing. He did it better. He, uh, he made a huge career, had a huge impact on the TV industry from having made this box. And especially once comedians were on board, once Milton Berle and Bob Hope were like, yes, this is how we're doing it now. And they actually did a test. There's like this key moment in TV history with Hogan's Heroes. They were going to test the pilot episode with and without. And with the laugh track, it was more successful. And that would just it. They just used it on everything from that point on. There was a few other times where they tested it back and forth. And there's also new technology had to do with like the number of cameras that they had and the studio audience. Because a lot of times the whole studio audience couldn't even see the stage. You know what I mean? So the, a lot of TV production changed over time. And the voice of the comedians and the performers was coming through too saying, hey, this is fake. We don't like this. It messes up our timing and our pacing. We don't feel honest about our performances when it's fake laughs. And eventually some shows like MASH got some compromises from the producers and they did some test comparing Seinfeld to The Simpsons because The Simpsons doesn't have a laugh track. And in that test, by the way, it was about even. And in MASH, it was about even, like the response from audiences. And so the TVs, generally speaking, they were like, well, if it's about even, 
keep on doing it. Oh, and all the performers and comedians were so frustrated. <laughs> Eventually, a couple shows kind of, I don't know, put their foot down, if you will, like The Odd Couple and Happy Days. And those shows started moving away from laugh tracks, but they were still using a live audience. They were still getting laughter from the live audience. But eventually shows like Doogie Howser and the Larry Sanders show didn't have a live audience, didn't have a laugh track. They just presented the material and they were received well, both from critics and audiences. And so and eventually you get Malcolm in the Middle and The Office. And I feel like most other good comedies now don't use laugh tracks. I mean, obviously there's going to be some debate on what's good or <laughs> whether or not they would be better if they used laugh tracks <laughs> or if the other shows would be worse if they took them out. But I think for the most part, if you look at shows winning awards, they're the ones without laugh tracks, not with them. But that says a lot of shows with laugh tracks last 10 years. Everybody Loves Raymond was yeah, hugely popular. The most critically renowned shows don't have laugh tracks, but the most watched shows have laugh tracks. Yeah, yeah. Like The Big Bang Theory is the most watched show and it has a laugh track. <laughs> Theme song was yet another in a long line of musical humor that It's Always Sunny is great at. One of the reasons that it made me think of the 80s was this song. But of course, as I said earlier, it's not really just an 80s thing. But it did make me think of that. All the stuff with the laugh track made me think a lot about something that isn't a TV show at all, but is a comic. It's Garfield minus Garfield, which a lot of you probably heard of. Just Google it if you haven't. It's really funny. It's just the Garfield comic strip, but without Garfield the cat. It's hilarious. I was I was baffled at how funny it was when someone showed it to me. Garfield goes from being lame, passable, a, a, a quirky part of culture that exists and I don't understand, to hilarious. I was like in tears laughing at Garfield without Garfield. It's very funny. And so another similar thing that exists is on YouTube you can find clips of the Big Bang Theory without its laugh track. And it's been really widely made fun of. I'd be shocked if the Always Sunny creators hadn't heard or seen this because of how much it was made fun of. And honestly, any show with a laugh track, if you take out the laugh track, it's going to be weird probably. But it was extra weird to me for the Big Bang Theory. It was so, so awkward. It was the most I laughed at the show. But we saw something on Reddit that is worth mention. This episode should have been called The Big Gang Theory. Oh, that would have been, that's such a miss. Yeah. <laughs> and that comes courtesy of user The Aquaman. <laughs> nice job. I would like to see Seinfeld without a laugh track. I think that would actually be funny. Kramer coming in and then just pausing. <laughs> like oh, he's already just a weird timing doofus guy. Like that might make it just one, extra funny. One reason that shows without laugh tracks are funny or awkward is because there are these moments that they have to leave blank. That's another thing. As they were developing laugh tracks in the 50s just the director of the show the editor after the fact they had to count for the fact that they needed this space you know and so if you watch a show without the laugh track in there you have just these awkward pauses but another thing is it sometimes it's not that funny what they're saying and sometimes that's because it wasn't even a joke sometimes the people like in the 50s when they were doing this they were like pushing the laughs on people and they were putting it in when it didn't belong so sometimes the jokes are funny but awkward with the space afterwards sometimes the jokes just aren't that funny but they're forcing the laughs honest. I, w I would be curious to see a show that I do like and I do think is funny like Seinfeld how well it would go over versus a show like The Big Bang or The Big Bang Theory? The Big Gang Theory? The Big Bang Theory. Alright, I'll get it right. Visual Elements they certainly made use of a lot of sitcom visual techniques, the very standard, very familiar camera angles and that whole front of the living room shot yeah. that is extremely common throughout the history of sitcoms. Not just sitcoms, really, but definitely sitcoms, you know, among other things. And of course, there was the credit sequence and the logo that we already mentioned. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. I will say, too, in general, I want to give credit to It's Always Sunny for having the mise-en-scene, you know, the style, the presentation of the background 
one. I, I even like at one point paused. You can see in the background there's a, a whiteboard, a dry erase board. It says Charlie work, check cheese and rat traps, collect dead carcasses. You know, <laughs> I feel like they do a good job with the background. Whereas a lot of shows, a lot of sitcoms, everything's clean and nice and neat and organized. Whereas in real life, people's houses, you know, there's a coat on a chair and it's a thing on a floor. It's not always clean and perfect and nice like it's presented in TV. I'll say that's a thing that Always Sunny has always been lauded for is how realistic and gritty that it looks, that it's dark and they're in this bar. Early on, they didn't even have HD cameras for about the first six seasons. It wasn't even HD, so it made it look even more home movie A lot of people actually complain about the more recent seasons, how well produced they look. The fact that the lighting is good. I personally would rather be able to see everything and see the characters and have a good looking TV show than have grainy darkness. Just me, but I could see why some people feel like it takes a little bit of the realism away. It looks more sunny now. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with all these episodes we've seen outside of the bar at yeah, the water yeah. park. That's a stat we might have to break down sometime. How many episodes have not had the bar in it at all? How many episodes have only been at the bar? <laughs> that would be great. We should do that. The decision to have Caitlin Olsen not actually visible for most of the episode begged the question for me, is Caitlin Olsen a little too busy to do every episode this season? She's filming the Mick. Possibly that was just a body double the whole time. You think they got someone to fart for? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely a fart double. Yeah, it wasn't the body double, though. They had a different fartist. <laughs> Final thoughts. All right, so I wanted to mention a couple of my favorite moments from the show. We always try to mention our favorite moments and invite you to do the same. My, I also can rarely narrow it down to just one. I have a couple, although there were... None all... of us can. None of true, us True, true. There were a lot of good ones in this one. I had a hard time narrowing it down. And the two I picked were actually very quick, subtle moments, which a lot of times my favorite bits are. One was when Charlie came in because he was upset about Frank, you know, trying to hook up with his mom and he's trying to break this all up. And he's explaining to them. He's like, you know, look, we the gifts we brought you, they're really cameras over there and the teddy bear and surprised you didn't notice actually and we made a show out of your life it was pretty good we had chips I just, that little interjection of we had chips. <laughs> and the other one was another quick little moment that happened. And it was actually funny too, because in this moment, they're kind of like putting in these laugh tracks at the moments that are supposed to be funny, the set up lines, it, which actually weren't set up, but Dennis decided they were. I don't know, but Dee's got her head stuck in there and Frank is making out with Charlie's mom. And so Uncle Jack feels awkward, so he's going upstairs. And he says, I'll be up in the attic rummaging around if anyone needs me. And as he's walking, by D, whose head's stuck in the stairs, and D's like, I need you, I need you, and Jack's like, okay, I'll be up there if you need me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be upstairs, D. <laughs> and that funny line didn't get a laugh track. My favorite moments were the old women quote that I mentioned before, which is too true. <laughs> Charlie's stream of thoughts, which was so, so great. Charlie saying that he would never answer the phone for his mother, <laughs> which is accurate for most people. And did Mac put a camera in my mom's room? No, I did. It's <laughs> yeah, three right. words, but it's so good. But then I think the star of the episode was Mrs. Kelly. So I have to mention a Mrs. Kelly moment, which is when she says, I shall dance on your grave. And then she does a little dancing motion when she sits there. Which is, she's a great actress. <laughs> Meanwhile, my favorite moment was one of Mac's defenses of his mother when she, he's she's constantly referred to as being one note. And he says, my mom isn't one note. She's a symphony. <laughs> 
And of course, I'm always a big fan of Uncle Jack. I loved his putting hands on for company and his very odd leaving of his hard drive underneath the floorboards. Did he come out of that attic like, dressed like a Boy Scout? Did he? Yeah, see it's Charlie's he old uniform, probably. Or yeah, something? I did. That's never... weird. I'm waiting no, for that to come into play somewhere. <laughs> I mean, it's totally in character for him. I think it is, but it's still I still expect it to be referenced. I'm for thinking... him, it's just totally normal. <laughs> I think it's also totally normal for a sitcom to have a character to show up in a crazy outfit yeah yeah <laughs> fandomedia.reviews all right signing off i'm ralph fandom i'm jackie gleese fan and i'm george cafanza 